Welcome to a special edition of the Grassroots Government Podcast. I'm Avery Davidson, joined by Carl Wiggers, who produces this and handles all of our wonderful podcasts. Also, Joe Mapes, the legislative specialist for the Louisiana Farm Bureau Federation. And the reason why this is a special edition of the Grassroots Government Podcast. It's special. It's special because we're not in the Farm Bureau building. Which is nice. Yeah. We're in a much better place. The big pointy building downtown Baton Rouge, the Louisiana State Capitol. And joining us is Clay Schecksnyder, Speaker of the House for the Louisiana House of Representatives. Thank you. Thank you. I'm glad y'all here and, and can able to uh, visit us in the in the not only just the Capitol, but the Speaker's office. Heck right? yeah. Heck yeah. This yeah. is like exclusive quarters, man. I, I walked in. I'm like, dude, this is fine. I, I feel I, important just being here. I'll give you all a 50 cent tour when we're done. Right? <laughs> <laughs> I was like, how many years did I spend in journalism? And I think I may have been in this office one time before. This yeah. is my second time. First this time is, with you. That's right. And and look, it's amazing just the history. And, and we'll go through that on, on another set. We'll do another one up here. But <laughs> Quickly, Mr. Speaker, aren't we sitting in the room that basically where Governor Huey P. Long was shot right outside, this right door outside these me? double doors behind Joe is where uh, the governor was shot or the congressman was shot. But this office served for eight governors. And uh, actually, it, it touched on ag at one time, right? Uh, Governor Jimmy Davis brought his horse in here right inside that office through that door right there and took pictures with his horse. He rode up the front steps and came into this office well, with I his horse. I didn't know that. Now we're going to have to find a copy of that picture. I know. It's on my wall in well, there. I got to see. I'm going to have to take it's a on copy my wall. of that. That's, that's nice. So it's 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 a special office. And, and when you look at the governors that served in here and you look at the furniture that's in the actual office part, this is more of a little conference room that we're in right up front. It was a reception room. But the office... All the furniture is original. Um, the the actual it was actually my office was actually a conference room, mm. and my chief of staff's office was actually the governor's office. And if you go in there, there's still a board that Huey had installed so he could watch how members vote. And my desk actually still has light switches underneath the desk that he had. Yeah, installed. I have seen that. That's really cool. Yeah, that had been installed to both voting chambers and when he saw the vote wasn't going his way he would kill the power to him oh wow that's and he'd crazy. go out and have a talk with uh representative he, uh, he would get whip uh, the votes he needed right that's right representative mapes and say you know that road you want it you know <laughs> how many times have you used that switch i'm trying to get them hooked back up but they won't let me they won't let me so that's cool it's really cool I, I i was i texted my wife when i pulled in here and i was like man it's really cool to be back in the capitol there's some it's just I don't know if you want to call it magic or some. There's an aura uh, about it. It's just yeah, cool to be in here. Well, before we leave really this historic. subject, uh, and Mr. Speaker probably would not have brought it up because he, he, he might consider it bragging, but Miss June Pay manages the capital, the state capital gift shop, which is now on the 23rd floor. 24th floor. 24th floor, okay? And I've been in this building since I was a child. I used to hide in this building, all kinds of places. But they the, the doorknobs now... That, that have taken off some of the old doors, you can get as a paperweight for $30 upstairs. To me, that is a piece of memorabilia. It's yeah. limited. Mm-hmm. Yes. But it's not just that. It's it's the abundance of stuff. And so he's invested a lot of time, effort, and money in that in that gift shop. We got to go up there before y'all leave. And if y'all would have saw it before, it used to just be nothing there. It was uh, like a powder blue color walls, and the floor was kind of coming up. It's like a prison. And I tell people all the time, I'll probably go down as one of the worst speakers ever because I hate seeing this building falling apart and the maintenance not being done. And if you look at 
the few things that we've done, we upgraded and fixed it up. It's totally been renovated. People love it. Uh, the chamber, we actually been upgrading in there. Uh, we've upgraded in uh, the downstairs cafeteria that's Didn't reopening soon. All new curtains in the chamber. All new curtains in the chamber that were rotten and just falling apart. Technology-wise, electronics, we did all of that. So it's 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 going to be good. All of that costs money. It does. A lot of money. And this is going to be one of those few years in which we go into the session starting on March 14th that we're going to actually have a surplus going in. Mr. Speaker, what's that like? Well, you know, I, do you remember what it's like? Well, and, and I was fixing to say, you know, if you look back and you look at when we came in 2020, we did have a small surplus, right? It wasn't huge like we had before. But I think what you've seen over the last, you know, put uh, the last six years, you've seen the legislature more or less steering us in a direction to where we would have a surplus. We're not overspending. We're, we're being really conservative on things, still trying to hit the necessities that we need. And I think even, you know, even back during the gentle years when we were scraping to get things by, it, it was tough. And, and trying to manage money when you had none was even tougher, right? Now that you have it, the needs are much more. People are coming and they're knocking on the doors, wanting us to help with things. But um, I, I think going into it, it is a good situation to have, but it's also a, a hard situation to have because you have to figure out what's the critical needs that need to be done. Now, word on the street is that you and the chairman of appropriations have decided to not endeavor in any recurring expenses whatsoever. When it comes to the budget. Absolutely. And and look, I think that's smart. And I think people out there in the real world do the same thing. I do it at my house. Yes, we all do. And, and you know, it's just common sense. You're not going to spend money that is not reoccurring and you want. If you do something with it, make sure that it's it's on a one time expense. And uh, we're going to do that. There's a lot of things in the governor's uh, suggestions that he sent us that um lean towards reoccurring expenses using one-time money. We're going to look at those and we're going to work with them and, and try to find a passage forward. I, I, I got to be honest. I, I play the ignorant one in this, this whole role. You haven't listened to any of these podcasts probably, but <laughs> can you explain, I guess, what a reoccurring might look like a reoccurring expense versus maybe a one-time, like what does it so look the like? Easy, the easiest way is you reoccurring expenses, your light bill, right? You know, every year that that light bill is coming, right? And if you don't have a light bill and you add that to your budget, then that it becomes a reoccurring expense Okay. where a one-time budget is the bonus you get at Christmas when you at your job, right? They bring you a bonus check and you, you calculate that into your household uh, budget and you think you're going to get that thousand dollars every month now. Well, you're not, you're only going to get it one time a year, right? What would some of those expenses, I guess, look like on a state level? Or is that is that just a loaded question that can be it anything? Could, it could be anything when you look at reoccurring, whether it's adding employees to certain things and, and upping a budget. And if you remember, if you go back, you remember during the Katrina days, we were kind of in the same situation, right? We, we, we got a whole bunch of money and we came in and what ended up happening then was we put one time money in reoccurring expenses and we blew the budget up really, really high. We're not so gonna, trying to get those three to one matching dollars. Yeah, yeah. We're, we're not going to do feds. that. We're not going to do that this time. You're going to see us using one time money on one time projects. And, and hopefully we get a lot of things that are 
you know, my passion on it is making sure that they're shovel ready. Make sure that these projects are something that the people of Louisiana can see and that they need right now. So road improvements, bridges, lots of infrastructure that you pay one time and then you might have to pay a little bit for maintenance later on. But you're saving the maintenance costs that you have now because we have roads that are falling apart. I mean, I went up to Morehouse Parish where literally two to three foot ruts on a parish road. Yes. Oh, I've got a video of that that he made. We'll send it to you. You won't believe it. You'll think we're making it up. And and look, you you know, not only just roads and bridges, but roads and bridges where the jobs are actually ready to be done. I don't want to put I don't want to put money on a project that's 20 years away. Right. I want to put money on projects that have been in the pipeline that that are essential and we need them. And I want to put those dollars there so we can get them going now. That also gives a good I mean, it's a a good return on investment because you can see where that money went next year or two years Did from now when that bridge like is completed prior to the COVID money coming in because the COVID money for infrastructure, for example, says you can only spend it on uh, one time expenses, not recurring. Cause I, I see this at least having an effect on the legislature too, of their general thinking of how to handle the budget. Right. It, 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 and look, we, we thought about it in those ways. Um, the one thing that you didn't have as much as what we have right now. And now that we have it, we have to be really smart. You look at the things that we've done the last couple of years when it came to the Main Street program and helping businesses back home. That's a one time expense, right, that we can do and we can help with. You look at um, you look at the loggers program that we did to help the loggers during the covid and, and they struggled. We put that program in place. There's things out there that we can do that we think of lots of times to help small businesses to help people uh, that are in need. And you want to help those ones that are, you know, you want to help everybody, but you want to help the ones that are actually giving back to the communities and helping your grocery stores, your your restaurants, your pick one. Those are the people that are every day. They're out there working every day. Right. They're getting things done. And that's the ones you really want to you want to boost up to. Those are the those are the ones who are going to turn those dollars oh, over right. and over and over again in the community. That was $10 million for that loggers program, right. right? Yeah. And we have another piece coming back this that's year for the loggers. Right. So that's what I, I that's, heard that. That's, that's huge. And we're going to look we're going to look at some other programs that we can help with to get those people back out there and get them going. So. And I know that this is a recurring expense, but it's something that uh, is near and dear to the hearts of every farmer and rancher across the state. And that's the LSU Ag Center. Absolutely. Over a about a 10 year period, it saw its budget cut by almost 33 percent, almost in half. Yeah. What what's the plans there? Is there any plan to try and funnel some more money toward the LSU Ag Center and the research that it does? Well, absolutely. And, and, and I'll tell you, I'll tell you how, you know, six years ago when I became chair of agriculture, the one thing that I realized that most of the members on the floor and I say most of them, you New Orleans, you, your city, your city people. Most of them didn't really understand the impact that agriculture had on the city. Right. They felt like we don't we don't have to worry about ag issues because we don't have any in in the downtown New Orleans. Right. So what I done was I reached out to LSU and I said, guys, look, for me to be able to help you and to get where we need to be as far as the ag center itself and getting dollars there to repair things and do things, do the research that we need. I need to I need everybody here to understand how important ag is. So I had LSU do some work and put together a pamphlet on everybody's district on how many jobs that you the ag community gives to 
downtown New Orleans. What what products are their ag products down that there? That was impressive. I remember when he did that. And we, he's the first chairman of ag that ever did that in the house that I can remember. And we did that. And I, I, I told Joe, and I forget exactly what it was. I wanted to say it was during the... Um, uh, issue we had with fuel, farmers fuel, and you came to me about taking it out of a bill, right? And because they wanted to tax it again or something. I forget exactly right. what it was. It was it was the diesel fuel that yeah. we were talking about at the time. And, and it's when, when when the legislature was looking at all the exemptions and wanting to remove them yeah. all if they could. So it was Joe, one of those lean years. Yes. And Joe says, Joe says, do I need to pass a sheet out on the floor to get the helps with the vote? And I said, no. I said, I don't think so. I think everybody understands how important the ag is now. And sure enough, we went down there. He said, okay, I won't. We went down there and didn't have one person vote against us. Wow. And all I had to do was mention, hey, guys, it's for ag. This is important to so all think about of us. What he's saying, what he did, he educated them. That's what, that's what we're all about. And that's, that's, what, the, that's, that's the big thing is educating people. And back on the ag center, you know, that's what the ag center does, right? Yeah. We, we not only do research and do those things, but we also educate. I want to back up a little bit because I, I thought of a really ingenious way in which you could really get through, especially to the folks in New Orleans. What you do is you get a lot of their top chefs, you know, yeah. bring them in and then have them prepare a meal without agriculture. Absolutely. Well, you know what they did in uh, South it would, Carolina? It might would be a piece of cardboard. I was right? about to say air and water. That's about yeah. all you're going to have. I, I don't want that meal. <laughs> I don't want that meal. You don't want to be invited to that one? <laughs> no, I thanks. think it was the South Carolina Farm Bureau hosted a lunch in the Capitol for the legislature one day. And when they all got there, they opened the uh, chafing dishes and there was nothing in them. And then later, after they understood the value of the farmer, then they mm -hmm. offered them hot dogs and hamburgers, you know, on the side. They had something over there. But, yeah, uh, no farmers, no food. That's right. Is a bumper sticker that that we really like. You, you know? also like that uh, that statistic from that recent survey. About yeah. A recent survey results have come in and they, they've shown that four out of four people eat food. So, you know, we're going to stick with continuing <laughs> like growing. That. I like that. Well, but that, you know, back to the Ag Center. A lot of folks probably don't realize how deep the research is that they do, the the money that that actually brings in to the Ag Center, to the university, the patents they have on some of these seed varieties, Clearfield Rice. I mean, that is a huge boon for the Ag Center and it being self-sustaining, not needing as much from from and, the state and, and and that's that's important to know because think about it if we if we didn't have those things at lsu if lsu wasn't that far ahead of a lot of other universities when it came to the ag side right and think about how much money we would have to put in if we didn't have that income what what the ag center comes in and what they ask for is it's not anything major by no means when you compare us to other states, you pick one, Georgia, Alabama, South Carolina, you look at what their Ag Center gets, they, they get a good, uh, substantial bit more than what we have been able to give. But I think with where we are today and where we were the last two years, I think we've made a huge increase into the Ag Center and putting money in there. I think last year we put $7 million in. That's right. And uh, that's, a, that's a huge bump up from where we were before. It's still not, it's still not enough. But I think I think now we have a we have an understanding not only not only just LSU Ag but at Southern and at McNeese we all have a piece. Um, it's 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 an investment that's going to pay itself back. So yeah, that's I was going to say I've done a story recently on the uh, 
at the sweet potato research. Mm-hmm. And I didn't, I, it, I was raised in Franklin Parish. I've driven past that research station hundreds of times and never realized that not only is it, are, are they developing varieties that's, that's helping farmers in Louisiana be able to grow more uh, marketable and uh, just be more efficient on their yes. farms, but they are a global resource. Absolutely. And it's marketing Louisiana around the globe. They're taking calls and they're helping farmers around the world to, to raise sweet potatoes. And it's like, that's happening in Winsboro, in Winsboro, Chase. Well, you know, the funny thing, and, and, I, and I say that when you look at products that we develop here with ag, whether it's the sweet potatoes or whether it's hot sauces or whether it's dishes that we have. My son travels and he, he goes all over the world. He loves it. I, I don't. I particularly like <laughs> staying in the United States. Right. But he travels and he goes and I always challenge him when he goes. I said, I want you to take a picture of something Louisiana every time you go. Well, 90 percent of the time when he does send me a picture, it has to do with food. Right. It has to do <laughs> yeah. with agriculture. That makes and sense. The, you talk about the sweet culture. potatoes. He was in uh, Germany. Mm. I want to say it was. And sure enough, he was at a restaurant and they were happened to be unloading a truck and it was Louisiana sweet potatoes. Yeah. Wow. It's a global reach. And that's what the Ag Center. I mean, we don't talk about the Ag Center or talk about Louisiana agriculture as a, a marketing tool right. to, to promote Louisiana. But it does. And I'm not we didn't talk about this. I'm just this reality. Yeah. That it's got a much larger reach than Louisiana farmers or Louisiana, just Louisiana's culture. Yes. And what does that do for our economy? I mean, that that introduces us to people who may not know anything about Louisiana. And then suddenly, well, this is something I like. I want to go there. Yeah. And, and, and look, having having those things like that and having uh, people have a dish, a sweet potato, have the hot sauce even. You take to Tabasco as, as worldwide as it is. People see it. And lots of times people want to come to Louisiana just to go visit it. And when they're here, they get exposed to so much more. Right. I mean, you, you know, you, you look at what we have and, and if people just took the time to come and just taste it and visit it. Man, they, they don't want to leave. They want to stay. And and you could do an entire tour down Absolutely. I-10 and have several different kinds of cu- cuisine. I mean, I grew Absolutely. up in New Iberia, so I can go. You know. I can go a long time about Tabasco. But going back to the LSU Ag Center, the LSU system right now is sort of still in a period of transition. We have a new president of the LSU system, William Tate, who who's come in and is talking about making some changes. And one of the concerns, at least for folks in agriculture, is the possibility of the LSU Ag Center being scooped in as part of the LSU Baton Rouge campus. Right. I know that that would bolster its research output immediately and show some immediate uh, metrics on money coming in. But is that real? If you do that, if it's something that's already exists and you just put it under a different umbrella, does it change anything? And where do you stand on having the LSU Ag Center go into another campus? Look, I believe I believe that the, the one thing that we utilize best here, and I think you've seen it here at the legislature since myself and President Cortez got into these leadership roles is working together. Right. Bringing people together. Let's find a path forward. Let's do things. You looked at tort reform. You looked at uh, tax reform, things that we could never move before we moved these last two years. Right. But it, it's because we came together and worked together. That being said. You know, LSU 
and I've met with Mr. Tate. I, I think he's he's a fine man, and I think he has bold ambition out there to be able to try to make things better and to make LSU better. I think legitimately that's what he wants to do. I have concerns on moving the Ag Center underneath there. I think when you look at the Ag Center and how successful the Ag Center has been on a much limited budget than what the university has, and the people that are there that are dedicated to making it better, it's a whole different role when you come into the university side. I think the university right now is in a lag position where it needs to bolster itself and get better. And I think bringing a very successful ag program underneath underneath that program, it's not going to help that program that's failing. It's only going to weaken that successful. By attaching bureaucracy yes. to the ag center system, which is already currently in place, and works. It's working fine. It ain't broke. It's not broke. Now, do I think the Ag Center can help and complement the agree. university? I agree with Mr. Speaker. We've had this discussion. 100%. I, I think that's the way you look at it. How can the Ag Center help us as an independent body? How can it help the university? And I think that's the avenue that we should all take whenever it comes to LSU, right? Get them to be a team player. How, how Coach O used to say it, one team, one heartbeat. Well, look, it's a team. The LSU is a team. It's a branded name. LSU Ag wants to be a part. They want to help. They want to participate. But you, you have to bring them in as a teammate and not as a captain on top of them. So. That's, it's good to hear you say that. And uh, have, you, have you had any conversations with President Tate about this at all? And, and where, where did, I, don't, I don't want to uh, put you in any political positions no. that uh, you don't want to be in. But, uh, you know, what, what came of that and what were your feelings afterwards? So me and him, had a, we did have a meeting. We discussed it and uh, had a good conversation about it. And, you know, his, his, his examination of everything was, you know, we had done this in South Carolina. The other states have done it. And, you know, we talked about the differences and we talked about how those were. And the differences that I found out, I went and checked, was those ag programs in those other states, when they brung them underneath that university, the university was doing really well, right? It was, it was successful. The ag program at that time wasn't very successful. The other way around from where we're doing. From where we are. And the ag programs are much smaller, right, compared to the whole campus and the whole LSU program. So bringing that small piece underneath there, it helped it. It helped bring it up. Uh, I, I expressed my uh, concerns about doing that, and we had conversation. He he didn't commit one way or the other. He did commit in keeping the conversation open. I expressed my uh, dislike of him wanting to do it. And uh, I think he understands that. And I think we'll have, we'll have conversation as we move forward. So. And that's, that's good. It's good to keep that dialogue going uh, to, I mean, that's, that's the way things happen here in the legislature. You, you talk it to death until there's a vote, right? That's right. (laughs) Look, it's, it's the, the big thing is having conversation. Uh, That's right. Keep talking. As long as the, the dialogue is open, then everything's okay. When we looked at tax reform last year, I can tell you that the years before that, we couldn't get a bill out of committee, right? Last year, we brought everybody in here, all the players, and we sat at this table in this room full of people, and we talked it out. We put a task force together that worked the issues, a unanimous vote that we need to change something. 
We came in here, we put together a piece of legislation. Actually, we ended up with six pieces and our goal was to pass one, right? We passed, we passed six, got them on the ballot, but on the ballot, we only passed one. And we only passed one on the ballot because we didn't get out and educate people and explain to them what it was doing. It wasn't a tax increase. It was a tax that it was a proposal that was going to help you, especially business. Owners. Increase efficiency. Yes. And it, it bringing those people to the table, having that conversation. Same thing with LSU and the Ag Center. We have to bring people to the table and get them to understand where we are. So, And I'll. Go ahead and toss this to Joe a little early. We know how important it is to be at the table. Because if you're not at the table, you're on the menu. That's and right. I had a dollar for every time I heard that. <laughs> well, I had a dollar. We're, we're going to be wrapping this up because uh, Carl was pointing out to me the time, and I'm sure that you have other things you need to do, Mr. A few Speaker. Things, a, a few, few things. things. But uh, we're not going to beware the Ides of March because March 14th, not 15th, is when the legislative session will begin. What are you, what are you looking forward to? This session as we wrap up, let's let's end on a positive note. What's some good things that we're going to see coming out of this so building? Each year we tackled things that we felt that would help the state of Louisiana become better as a whole. Tort reform, tax reform, and this year manufacturing it. Look, if COVID has taught us one thing is that, you know, back in the days when we were all young and, and, and vibrant, our parents told us, well, you want to buy American, right? You want to USA oh, yeah. made, We're right? <laughs> we, we want it. That's what we want. Well, I challenge people to go out there and find those things now. They're tough to find. Yep. We don't have them anymore. And COVID has showed us that, right? We depend so much on China and, and pick a, another country, Taiwan, whatever you want to do. We can do things here and we have to learn whether it's, whether it's, oil and gas that we're dealing with right now that could help us, or it's masks that we wore during the COVID, or gloves, or farming equipment, pick one of them. We can do those things here. We have to set ourselves up to be able to do it. So we're gonna have a package of bills this year that's gonna focus on where we lack in bringing manufacturers and people here, uh, workforce for those facilities and just licensing and permitting in general to make it a little bit easier. I think if we do those things and talking to other states, we've we've seen what they wanted. It isn't tax incentives that keep them uh, coming here that we're not getting, right? We're not getting those. It's, it's uh, certified sites. These companies want a certified site. Joe has, and I'll, I'll show you a quick example. Joe has 500 acres that he wants to he wants to lease or sell, and we know that there's companies out there that want to build. Right? He has access to the water, he has access to rail, and he's close to an interstate. Joe says, "I can get with the city, get with the state, get with everybody, and I can have this site ready in six months with sewage, power, water, whatever it needs." That company wants. One stop shopping. They don't want to come here and meet with the governor and then go meet with the school board and then go meet with the mayor and then go meet with the representatives. It's like he greasing palm. They almost. want that. They want that package already there. It's got to be turnkey and it's ready. And that's what other states are doing. And we're not. And that's why when you travel to Georgia and you travel to uh, South Carolina and you passing through Alabama, Mississippi, you see all those manufacturing plants. That's why. That's why. So. We're going to work on that. That's going to be huge, not only just for Louisiana, but for the country. If we can make that happen here, we're in the center part of the country. We can distribute out to the west. We can distribute out to the east and the north from right here. And we got the largest ports. I mean, we have it. We need to utilize it.
uh, before we end, you, you, you've got two years left as speaker, right? Mm -hmm. This year and next year. How can Farm Bureau help you uh, in your speakership over the next two years? I, and, and, and I think I think we discussed it across the, the whole show, the whole program. Be, be at the table with us. And, and look, we won't always agree. We, we're going to see things different, but let's not go out and let's not. I won't throw Joe under the bus. Joe won't throw me. Farm Bureau won't throw me. Under. Let's work together and find a pass, uh, a positive avenue forward. And I think we can do that. Well, we can commit to that. Heck yeah. I, building on that, how important is Farm Bureau, but also just that involvement as a representative? I mean, you're a leadership here, but. You're also, I mean, you're a representative. How important is it for to hear from the grassroots? It, it is very important. And I can tell you, I value that more than any other statistic or stat that I get is from those grassroots people, from my farmers when I'm in St. James or St. John, when I'm up in Livingston with my strawberry farmer, hearing their concerns and wanting to help, that's important to me. I can come back here and I can listen to everything about Bozier and everything about anywhere else that may not, it just, it may be a Google search. I know what my Google search is back home, right? Those guys tell me, and that's what I like to have. I wouldn't use Greg Gravois as my uh, Google search. I'm just saying, I'm just saying that back Vashery Cane farmer might uh might get you in some trouble. Well, Mr. Speaker, I appreciate you taking all this time to meet with us, especially Certainly. pretty much leading into the session. Uh, your time's valuable right now, and we appreciate the fact that well, you gave it to us. And, and I'm I'm glad you said that. But look, I thank y'all for what y'all do. Uh, I, I y'all know I'm a huge fan of y'all. I, I share your programs on my on all my social medias, and it's important what y'all do and to keep people engaged and. Uh, this office is always open anytime we can help y'all and, and keep Louisiana moving forward. So thank you. Let's see Carl when Brittany kicks you out. You got a place to come crash. <laughs> 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 On behalf of Carl Wiggers and Joe Mapes, I'm Avery Davidson. Thank you for joining us for the Grassroots Government Podcast. And because remember, you got to listen and be at the table because if you're not at the table, you're on the menu. <laughs>